Our reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who sanctify in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to God always for you because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Morning. Uh, the gospel reading for today is from the Gospel of John, verses, uh, well, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. Uh, next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I have said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, for he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend as a dove from heaven and remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain on him, this is the, he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with the two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, and he walked, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw them following him, and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They said, and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that whole day. And it was about the tenth hour one of the two who heard John speak and followed him. It was Andrew, who is the uh, brother of Simon Peter. He first followed, uh, found Simon, who said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall now be called Peter. Good morning. Now it's my turn, and I hope it won't be impossible coming from this pulpit, Tommy. <laughs> it is so wonderful to return to my home away from home, the First Baptist Church. Amen. That's right. This is my third time with you, and I always look forward to being with you on a Sunday morning to worship together in spirit and community, to hear your beautiful choir the praise music you sing, the noise of people gathering before the service, talking, welcoming, uh, 
it's just, it's just amazing. You are a wonderful community. I thank Pastor Curtis for asking me to come again. I thank you for allowing it. I want to share an opening prayer that my community of faith is using in today's service. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. How fitting for this second Sunday after the Epiphany, this season that gives examples in the Gospel lessons how the ministry of Jesus was manifested, shown, in the lives of the people he encountered and embraced on his journey. Now, usually a preacher is supposed to concentrate on one of the lessons and not be tempted to incorporate them all, but I cannot help myself today. I asked Dennis to have all four parts of today's lectionary available to us this morning. Well, three out of four ain't bad, but you're going to get a bonus because I'm going to talk a little bit, a bit about the reading from Isaiah this morning. This is like a solar eclipse. Doesn't happen that often, but when it does, when they all align together, the results are magnificent. I hope you will indulge me with the excitement that these lessons provide for us. So sit back. Relax, but please don't get too comfortable to cause sleep and or snoring. I will try to keep you awake. Again, to manifest is to show. How do we clearly show things? We do it by shining a light, by illuminating the world with clarity of sight, mind, and heart. And how do these lessons move us in this direction? So here comes your bonus. Let's begin with Isaiah. Always a good thing to go back to the beginning of our roots with a nod to our Old Testament Hebrew scripture readings. This lesson today comes from the writer known as Second Isaiah. The destruction of Judah and Jerusalem by the Babylonian Empire has already happened. The exile has already been set in motion and people are asking God questions. Weren't we supposed to be the chosen people, God? How could you let this happen to us? Why did we have to be taken from our homeland, the land that was promised to our forefathers? How can we survive in Babylon with people who do not follow your ways? What is going on here? Are you someone we should even believe in anymore? Then Isaiah gives them a good news, bad news report. We are so familiar with this type of response, right? Since they probably needed the good news first, Isaiah assures them that God is still there for them, still has deep compassion for them. And never mind the Babylonians and their culture, the Lord is still supreme over the heavens and history. Hang in there, guys, because you will be released from this captivity, this exile from your homeland, and your return home will be even sweeter than the escape from Egypt. Okay, now for the bad news. This all happened because of your actions against what the Lord has expected you to do. 
if you hadn't sinned, if you hadn't done things that were terrible in the sight of the Lord, you never, ever would have had to suffer this exile. So look at yourselves. No, really, look at yourselves. How are you going to get out of this mess? The answer comes in today's reading. This is what you must do for the rest of your lives. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Show everyone what, a righteous, what is righteous, what is just, what is compassionate, what is good, through your faith, your hearts, your minds, your souls, your thoughts, and your actions. Manifest to the world so that others may realize what is good about God, what is good about life, and what is good about humankind. Sounds like a tall order, but is it really? Let's move on to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Paul encourages this community of followers that there is a way to make things happen in their daily lives, their culture, and their society because God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. As God is faithful to them and to us, then there is this togetherness through the teachings of Jesus that will give them and us the fellowship, the community that they and we crave in this world. By acting on God's faith in us, then we are able to do wondrous things in this world by showing that faith to all we meet. In the Gospel of John, we hear powerful words spoken by John the Baptist to two of his disciples. Did you catch that? His disciples first before they became disciples of Jesus. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew and Simon, this is what we have been waiting for. This is what I have been leading up to in my ministry. This Passover lamb, Jesus, equals Israel's true deliverance. This sin we suffer from is the separation from our relationship with God and our neighbor that we have caused through our actions or inactions, through our selfish behavior, through our absence of compassion and acts of justice and peace and righteousness. This is the one who will show us a better way of life, one in which we can demonstrate to the world what we are to do with our own lives. When Andrew and Simon Peter see Jesus, what do they do? They followed Jesus. Have you often wondered what it would have been like to have seen Jesus, to have felt his presence, to have seen his face? Something caused these two men to drop everything and follow him. Jesus then turns to them and asks, What are you looking for? What do you seek? Do they give Jesus a laundry list of all their wishes, their desires? No, they simply say, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Just as simply Jesus replies, Come and see. From that moment on, they were hooked. They had found everything that had been missing in their lives. Andrew tells his brother, we have found the Messiah. The very essence of Jesus was manifested to these two fishermen. 
Their time with John the Baptist was completed, and now they discovered what God had for them, a shared journey with the rabbi, the prophet, the rebel, the compassionate man who gave them example after example of what their direction would be for the rest of their time on earth. Jesus saw in Simon Peter something as well, something that Simon Peter probably had no idea he even had, and Jesus renamed him. That is a very powerful action, to be renamed. Simon Peter was to be known as Cephas, Aramaic for rock, as well as Petra, Greek for rock. A solid foundation that would sometimes have cracks in it, such as Peter's moments of denial during the trial of Jesus, but would be a powerful example in the Acts of the Apostles as Peter demonstrates his clearer understanding of what Jesus meant for him to do. Psalm 40 ties all of these together, doesn't it? We hear the voice of someone who is describing his life and his relationship with the Lord. I waited patiently upon the Lord. Seems a bit passive at first, but then we get this image of the Lord stooping down to hear his cry. The Lord Almighty took time to pay attention to this man's cry for help. This was not a God who was too removed from the plaintive cries from his created ones. This was a reaction by a God who showed compassion. He lifted me out of the desolate pit, out of the mire and clay. He set my feet upon a high cliff and made my footing sure, from the depths to the heights, but with solid grounding for this man. As with the collect I shared at the beginning of this sermon, as with the words Isaiah told his fellow Israelites, as with the encouraging words of Paul to the Corinthians, as with the introduction John the Baptist made for his disciples to Jesus, the Lord in Psalm 40 has put a new song in this man's mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many shall see and stand in awe and put their trust in the Lord. A wonderful example of what this season of epiphany means. From this new song, this man is most happy to share with others. O oh Lord, your righteousness have I not hidden in my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your deliverance. I have not concealed your love and faithfulness from the great congregation. Powerful expression of the transformation this man has experienced. Is this something that can transform us as well? Is this something that can move any one of you in the first pews, the middle pews, the back pews? Sometimes there are people up there, but not today. But it had there been in the upper pews. Can we not feel in our hearts the stirring of these lessons? Can we not understand the responsibility that we carry as Christians to demonstrate to the world what we have learned from Jesus? I know this is a season also of new church budgets and annual meetings to figure out what is to be done in the new year. But this is not a sermon about how to get more people in the pews. This is about spreading God's word to those who need it most of all. That is our primary reason for being Christians, isn't it? If we carry in our hearts the teachings of Christ, then we should be able to illuminate the nations and the world with the love and compassion of God. We should reach out to people inside and outside the church who are in desperate situations, 
the lonely, the disenfranchised, the disregarded, and the ones who have been left outside the gates of equality, justice, and peace. Thank goodness tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I asked earlier what it must have been like to have seen Jesus. Aren't we asked to see Jesus in every face we encounter? We are to treat each person as if Jesus is right there with us. We are to see the hearts of all others as the heart of Jesus. Sometimes it is not easy. We are human after all, and we do have our moments when challenges seem too high to overcome or seem too impossible, Tommy. We must learn to push through these challenges with that knowledge that God is faithful to us. Through that unconditional mercy, love, and grace that is freely, freely given to us, we are to be witnesses to the righteousness of God, not just with ideas of conversion, but with acts to manifest God through our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And we don't have to be alone to do this. Not only do we have the strength that God the Holy Spirit gives us, but we have each other in community to inspire us to go to that extra step. We have outreach programs to comfort those in need. We have the call to share this with those who seem to oppose justice in our legal systems. Sometimes it seems to be an uphill battle, but perseverance is the only way to make changes in our society. I would like to close with another collect, this one written by Stephen Shakespeare. Don't know if he's related to the bard or not, but I love his writing. It has a great sound to it. So let us pray. You who teach us a new song and train our feet to follow, meet us in our searching and turn our eyes and hearts to the one who gives his life for the world through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God.